There you go. No light skiing. You know, it's funny how we always hear what we want to hear, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Um, so uh, last week, we uh, got the opportunity to start going through First John. I hope some of you guys went home, and, and um, I encourage you guys to to look into the book of First John to read it. It's pretty short, three three to four pages in your Bibles, um, five chapters. And uh, over the next, I mean, over the total of six weeks, we're going to make our way through this book of First John. Um, but before I get into any of that, before I even recap last week, um, something really cool just happened and it just kind of hit me. But like when, when Drew was up here worshiping, Isla over there, was was just saying daddy daddy dad did any of you guys hear that and and <laughs> I, that was so cool because in isla's mind the only thing she could keep her focus on was her dad was her dad and and man when we are worshiping our heavenly father is the only thing that you can keep focus on daddy daddy i that was so cool that was so cool so anyways that was Thank you, Isla, back there in the back. You're awesome. Um, yeah, so we're in First John. Last week, I'll, I'll just kind of do a little recap of what we talked about last week, um, but essentially just kind of set the framework. If you look at the book of First John, um, I talked a lot about what John was like, um, the Apostle John. And, and what was funny was, as I dug in and I talked about last week, was that when I, when I looked into who John was, he sounded a lot like Peter. When we think of Peter, we think loud, you know, quick to respond, very like put your foot in your mouth kind of guy. Um, Peter does that quite a lot. And, uh, and he's always the first to speak up. What was funny was when I looked into John and some of the things he did, he sounds a lot the same. In fact, there were multiple times where Jesus was rebuked him for some of the things he did. He was the brother of James, and, and uh, John was like, he's like, well, what, what do we do? We want, James and I, we want to make sure that we are like the number one and two uh, by your side, and he rebukes them for their pride. Then he, then he goes, and uh, they go and preach in Samaria, and the Samaritans don't accept Jesus' message, and then he's like, all right, Jesus, it's time to bring down fire from heaven because these guys aren't trusting in you. And Jesus rebukes him again. And I just get the, the mindset like John is this guy who's passionate. And it's important to know who we're listening to, who, who's speaking here. We believe he's under the influence of the Holy Spirit that God communicated through him whatever he needed. But there's still personality. There's personality in these writers and it's really really interesting and it sounds a little different when you think of this guy who's really passionate and un in first john unlike some of his other writings um it's it's more like a series of sermons as you read it and uh the other thing i talked about the big theme was fellowship it was fellowship uh with god an individual's fellowship with god and an individual's fellowship with other believers. Um, there's a huge, huge theme of that. I talked a little bit about the, the, the Greek koinonia, which is the, the Greek for fellowship and, and how, how like that 
koinonia within the body of believers is so important. And, and then we talked about how um, a lot of the stuff going on in here, there's a lot of tests, and it's testing that koinonia with God. How can we know that our fellowship with God is true? And, uh, and I, I talked about this question, how do you know that you're saved? And I used to ask that question a ton. I still ask that question. I get asked that question quite a lot. How do you know that you're saved? How do you know that your fellowship with God is, is real, authentic? And, uh, and this book, I love it. Um, was one of my professors at Word of Life who said, you know, if I have people asking this question, how do I know that I'm saved? They would, uh, he would give them, well, he would, I mean, he would tell them. He'd say, read the book of 1 John. Go through. There's tests all over. There's like, but anywhere, like I said, anywhere between 5 to 15-ish, depending on which ones you count, because some of them are sort of repeated. Um, but, but read them and take stock of what, what's in your heart. Do you have a longing for that, that thing that's mentioned, whatever it is? Or do you find yourself being pretty apathetic to it? And, uh, and he gave examples of people who he did that with. And they basically went through, they looked at these tests, and they saw the, maybe the soil of their heart. They saw the, just what was inside them to desire those things or not desire them. And he had people come back and be like, oh, I'm so grateful because I was so stressed out. I didn't think, you know, I, like God really loved me or I had fellowship with him. But now I know it's just, I, I'm just struggling like, like many of us do. It's just hard. But then other people went through the book of 1 John and were like, oh my goodness, I am not a Christian. I am not, like I do not have fellowship with my heavenly father. How do I get it? And, uh, and it, it's really cool. And the book of 1 John is great for that night. So that was kind of what I talked about last week. And today we're going to get into 1 John chapter 1. Uh, we just read 5 through 10. We're going we're gonna to get an opportunity to read through the whole thing. It's pretty short. Um, but, uh, but again, I'd encourage you guys um, to read through the entire book. It's pretty simple. Next week, we're going to go into chapter 2, then chapter 3. So if you want to study one chapter at a time, do that. But we'll get an opportunity through this series to read through the entire thing um, from, from here. So, but before I get into anything more, I want to pray. And uh, we'll get rolling. Father, um, we just thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that it's living and it's active. Um, Father, um, y- you're, you store up things um, in our hearts. I-, I pray that you would store up those words in our hearts so that we would continue to be reminded of the good news that you brought. Um, that we uh, ha- would be open enough to test um, and to question whether what we're believing is just comfortable for us or does it actually align with what you've taught us? Does it align with, with who Jesus was and, and um, what, he, what he came here to do? Do we align with that? So Father, would you open our hearts enough to, to question? Um, and Father, where we need confidence, would you give us confidence by your word that we have fellowship with you? Um, Father, we love you. We thank you, God. I pray that my my speech and message would not be in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the power and and of or demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that our faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in your power. We love you, and we pray these things in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. 
So, um, I just want to kind of get into it. Um, if you guys have Bibles um, or on your smartphones or whatever, um, we're going to go through. I, I read through the first four verses last week. I want to start with that. And so we're going to read through that. I talked last week how I want to teach through this a little bit more kind of like verse by verse. And so it's going to be a little bit more like that. And I'll try to kind of get through everything. It'll be harder in other chapters than this one because this is a shorter chapter. But um, let's, uh, let's start in 1 John chapter 1. You can just follow along. You don't have to read along with, or sorry, you don't have to read out loud with me. But, um, but I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship or you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Um, that was in the, the ESV. When I first read this last week, I was like, man, that is like, that almost sounds like the King James Version. It It's like a little bit hard to follow. Last week, I actually put it out in the New Living Translation, which is a more thought for thought, and it made a little bit more sense. And uh, and we're just going to kind of walk our way through this. What did he just say? Because a lot of times, seems like some of these writers just blurt out like a bunch of Christianese, and we're like, okay, yes, just nod your head and smile, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And uh, and we'll kind of walk our way through this. And I love it, and, and John stays consistent with what he's done in the, in the past. Um, and in the, be well, it's funny, in the beginning of his writing, he's, he brings, brings up the beginning. Um, now that's common. He did that in John chapter one. In the, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He refers to Jesus as the word, and he refers to him in the beginning. It wasn't as though Jesus was, was somebody created by God. He was there in the beginning, and he was God. Jesus, John spends a lot of time in his writings uh, making the case that Jesus was God. So he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now, what was interesting to me was I asked when I read this, I said, is he talking about in the beginning, like in the beginning, beginning, like way eternity ago with, with just God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Is that what he's talking about? And, uh, and it was funny because the more I looked into it, as you read this verse, the whole thing, um, it's talking about what we, we have heard. We have seen with our eyes. We have looked upon and touched. And so... Um, it, it begs the question that in the beginning he's talking about it, it at least to me it, it doesn't seem like he's talking about the beginning eternity ago he's talking about in the beginning when they started following him 
Okay, I'm not going to fight you over that. But I have a feeling that he, John is talking about we, as in the apostles, the ones who heard directly from Jesus. We walked with him. We talked about last week how John was like one of the closest friends of Jesus. Um, this, was, this was in the beginning when we were walking with him. When we were walking with him in the beginning of this movement, okay? John wrote this a little later, around 80, they, they estimate around 85 to 90 A.D., well, Jesus passed in like 30 AD. This is 60 years later. I haven't been alive for 60 years. A lot changes in 60 years. And so this movement had exploded. And so uh, it seems to me, he's saying, in the beginning of this movement, in the beginning when Jesus started uh, having these followers and, and proclaiming um, the good news that he's come to save the world. Um, so anyways, we're going to move forward. We, the apostles, this is, he's saying, it's us. We were there. We saw him. We touched him. We, we heard him teach. Um, and, and then he says, uh, the next one, he, he brings up the word of life, which is actually the theme verse of the college that I went to. And same with Elizabeth and same with my wife, Eunice, and same with Marcus's dad, the word of life. Anyways, that's <laughs> just hashtag word of life. You know, that, yeah, you should check it out. Anyways, <laughs> the life was made manifest. Verse two, the life was made manifest and we have seen it. That was Jesus's life. It was, it was put in front of us. It was made manifest, put in front of us. We saw it. We could hear it. We could touch it. There was substance. Jesus wasn't just an idea. That's really important for us to know. It's really important for us to know that there are eyewitnesses of Jesus. He's not an idea. He was there. There was substance to him, just in the same way that we're walking around today and we're, we're doing things. There's substance to him. And we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and made manifest to us. I love that. I love that. So he came. There was substance to Jesus. There's something there. And, and he testified, or we testify to what he brought. We tell others. As, as we continue to work through this, it, it goes into this fellowship thing. We talked about that a little bit last week. There's fellowship with, with believer to believer. And then, the, and then he's saying, and we, the apostles, have fellowship with God. It, it's funny, I think of, um, when I hear that, when I think of comparing the fellowship me and you to I, and then I have fellowship with God I think of first Corinthians 11 verse 1 Paul says follow me as I follow Christ he's not ashamed to say that because he says I'm following Jesus so so follow me because I'm following Jesus in the same way he's saying he's saying we have fellowship and and we have fellowship so the fellowship is all around it's there's a upwards and there's there's like a vertical it was actually funny mark was mentioning a vertical worship and horizontal worship there's or sorry horizontal fellowship and and vertical fellowship and so um, he goes into this fellowship thing there's fellowship going on all around between us and between god and that's really important because some people get in the mindset that fellowship just happens here this is good. I like this. We hang out. We enjoy each other's company. It makes me happy. It makes me feel good because I have friends and stuff and I have a 
something, something to do on Sunday mornings. But then when you get home and in the mornings, you don't really spend time with your fellowship there. And then maybe there's some, some others of us that we spend so much time, it's just me and God, me and God, fellowship here. Boom, I got it. We're working it out. It's great. But then we don't have any fellowship here. That, that horizontal, God, God didn't design us like that. He designed us to have fellowship here and he designed us to have fellowship here. So let's not neglect that. And, uh, and I love the way he finishes this. He says uh, in verse four, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our joy may be complete because we're testifying to what was made, what was made, was shown to us in Jesus. We're testifying that. I was, man, I was just thinking about it before. Um, our joy isn't complete because we come to church on Sunday and we get filled by cool teaching. Our joy isn't complete because you know, we read a, a good Bible verse that encourages us. Our joy is made complete because we take the good news that we've been given and we share it. And we have fellowship. And oh, Man, I love that. He's like, man, my joy can't be complete unless I have that. Uh, six years ago, when I, when I first decided to follow Jesus, I didn't really know what it meant to look or do or whatever like a Christian. I didn't, I didn't grow up in maybe quite as, I mean, I grew up in a Catholic church and, and I wasn't really that, you know, interested in it either. So I can't, I don't want to fault the Catholic church for that. Um, but, uh, but, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, we weren't like, like, go out, tell people, tell people, tell people. And I think here we really beat the drum on go out, tell people, tell people, tell people, um, in this evangelical circle that we kind of seem to be in. Um, but I mean, the gospel was good news to me. When I, when, when my life was changed, like it was great news to me that I was forgiven. It was great news to me that I had worth and I had purpose in this life. And so I told people about it. Well, there's this one kid, I was just as much or more so just a ragtag, you know, snowboard bum at then as I am today. I'm a little less because Eunice is kind of zoning me in a little bit on <laughs> being put, put together. But um, this kid, I met him. He's, uh, he was living in Lynchburg, Virginia. He was from Alaska. He was another snowboarder, snowboarder all the time. He was really, really good. And we hung out, and I was just telling him about, like, man, like, God did such cool things in my life. And, and, and just like, you know, anybody does, like, if you hear Marcus talk about the Patriots, like, he'll, he'll all day tell you you should be a fan of them. And so I was like, I was like man, like, Jesus changed my life. Like, you should check him out, you know? Like, you should watch a game, <laughs> you know? I don't know, like, and, uh, and this kid ended up coming to faith, and I got to watch him get baptized and his life be changed. And it's, it was so cool, and I had not felt the joy that I'd had until that moment. I, or, like, I, it, I'd never been as complete with joy as when I started sharing it, and it got me hooked, got me excited. And I said, I want to do this. I don't want to just keep this to myself. I want to I go do this. I want to go share. Our joy is not complete. And, and, and this is what I was thinking about this morning. The good news that we get to share is not that Loon Mountain Ministry throws cool services. It's not that we meet on top of a mountain. 
the good news isn't, isn't that, um, you know, I can get my finances in order. The good news is not to just invite people to something like an event. The good news is Jesus coming to save us from our sins. I, I, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself because I often think that sitting on a chairlift and telling somebody about a Loon Mountain ministry service is sharing the good news with them, and it's not. The good news is Jesus. The good news is not Loon Mountain Ministry. And so, so as we go out and as we think about, it's not wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's not wrong to, to invite somebody to, to a service here. It's not wrong to do that. And we're going to do everything we can to stay true to the good news that Jesus um, offers. But, but man, like, if you want to share the good news and you want to share in that joy, go out and share the good news, the gospel. Don't share about Loon Mountain Ministry. We got a lot less to offer than Jesus. So, anyways, um, yeah, so that was verses one to four. I want to move on. We'll get to verses five through seven. Um, I'm going to read it one more time. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. It starts with this, with this theme and it kind of continues on through 1 John, even past the first chapter, that God is light. God is light. And uh, this is test number one. Highlight it. Test number one that we come across. And I, I mentioned he ought, John often gives the negative and then the positive, or the positive and then the negative. But he's like, he says, if we... If we say we have fellowship with him, talking about this individual upwards, you know, vertical fellowship. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Ouch. Okay. So a couple uh, months ago, I actually went through this with the youth group. And the question was, what does it mean to walk in the light? And, uh, you know, it does, it's not any easier to describe it to you guys as it was to describe it to eight-year-olds because it's just hard. It is. And, uh, and we have to ask, what, what does it mean to walk in the light? And uh, it is nice because earlier on the verse, it talks about what is light. And it says God is light. So in order to walk in the light, we walk in in God's ways. I'm, I'm one who likes to pry, so I ask the next question, which is in all your minds, is well, what are his ways? And, uh, and I, I don't want to get into a big, long discussion, but what does Jesus say that the two most important commandments are? We love God first, and then we love others. And I, well, actually, he says, 
Jesus says an equal commandment um, is that we love others as we love ourselves. Um, I, I often like to put this one in there when it comes to Jesus's like concrete, like what do you really want to remember things? You know, I think of the last thing that he said as well. I think of go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And so when it comes down to it, um, it's, it's living selflessly, okay? We love God first. We put others before ourselves, and, and we go out and we share the good news. If we want to follow in his ways, that's what it looks like. And it's so hard because I don't want to, you know, uh, I know that, that it's not by doing that we, that we come to faith in Jesus, it's not like, okay, God, I'll do everything you said. Can I be saved now because I did stuff? That's not, I mean, over and over and over throughout the New Testament, it's made very clear that we are not saved by our works. It's not by doing a bunch of stuff that you become a Christian. It's by faith. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we, you are not saved by um by works where you are saved by grace through faith um, so that you may not boast. There's no boasting to be had. We are saved um, by our faith and that's only by God's grace that we can even have that. And so, so I, when we go through this, when you look at these tests, it's not as though, you know, these are, thi- these are just fruit that should happen, right? If, do, you have a, do you have a heart inside you that says, man, I want to follow God. I want to go his ways. I wa- like, I don't mind that he says things that contradict what I might believe because I want his ways. It might be hard for me to believe certain things. There were, there were difficult things for me to believe when I first came to faith because I had a background that believed a little different. And, and as I slowly, and obviously we think about the big cultural ones that are a big deal, but, um, you know, is your heart longing to say, God, I want to know, I want to follow you because I believe you're right and I'm wrong. Is your heart doing that? Or do you constantly come to, to passages that challenge you and say, well, it's just not that way for me. Or, God, you're so 2,000 years ago. You know, like, do you constantly do that? Or is your heart saying, God, I want to follow you. It's, it's hard, but I want to follow you. Where's your heart? That's test number one. God is light. Let's follow in his ways. Test number two comes in verse, I think it's eight to 10. We'll read that. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. AKA, don't be prideful. Don't be prideful. And I think, you know, we, we get in the framework where it's like, oh yeah, of course I'm not perfect. But then the next minute we're defending even the most meaningless things because we don't want our pride or ego to be hurt. How easy is it for you to admit when you're wrong? One of the, uh, I don't really know why this, I don't even want to be sound prideful in saying this, but like 
for some reason, when Jesus did what he did in my life, like, I just kind of, like, decided, you know, it's just easier to lay down when, you know, when, when, I, when I have a thing going on, maybe a back and forth with somebody, I probably did something wrong. You know, what if instead of me trying to defend the fact that I'm right and they're wrong, what if I just push aside my pride a little bit and say, you know, like, I'm sorry, I could have communicated better with you. I'm, I'm sorry, I, you know, I could have done this, this one thing better. You know, I'm sorry, I, I like, I'm sorry because I did something that might have hurt you. Even if I don't think it should have hurt you, like, I'm sorry, and you lay down and ask for forgiveness because it's not, I don't want to boast in, in my good works. I don't want to boast in my, my pride, my ego or anything like that. Man, like, and I've seen amazing things happen because as soon as you, you lay down, I'm not saying lay down and do nothing, but, but lay down and just say, you know what? Like, it's not worth, it's not worth me defending over. Guess what? I'm a sinner. Paul says, I'm the worst. I'm the worst of them. You know, you called me out on something? You're right. I'm fall I've fallen. I am I am not a good person. And then you point them to Jesus and you say, "Man, thank goodness for Jesus. Cuz without him, I'd have no hope." Man, when you do that, like they can't people can't fight you. They can't they can't keep arguing and keep trying to get you down cuz you know, you're just like, you know what? I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm wrong. And uh, man, like, are you quick to, to defend yourself when maybe you did something wrong? Are you quick? Uh, don't be prideful. This test, I think, is, is really, really overlooked because it's easy to say that we've all sinned, but it's not easy to lay down your pride and your ego and say, you know what? Don't look at me, because you're right. I'm a sinner. Look at God. Look at, look at what Jesus did. Man, he's good. I'm not that good, but he is good. We're not putting ourselves down just to sit there in self-loathing, but we, put our, we, we know our place so that we can exalt Jesus, not us. And uh, what's, you know, why, why can we do that? Why can we do that? It's because God is faithful I mean, I love it. It just goes right into it uh, in verse, what is it? Verse eight, if we confess our sins, confess them. He is faithful and just to forgive of all of our sins, no matter how severe. We watched this movie the other night uh, with youth group and I'd strongly recommend it called I Can Only Imagine. And it was about a father and a son. I mean, I'm sure many of you guys have heard the song. It was about a father and a son and the father was terrible. Um, the son, uh, well, to this day, it's a true story um, about the lead singer of Mercy Me. And he would describe his dad as a monster growing up. He would beat him three to four times a week. Very, very abusive. And obviously this kid had serious problems with his, you know, or, or like hatred towards his dad because of it. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you see the shift happen in the story. The son leaves. He's like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. He, run, he, he basically runs away, and he goes and does his music thing. And, uh, and then he comes home because he needs to face, 
Well, like he needs to face his, his, his lack of forgiveness. He realizes his music can't go further because he's, he's suppressing his past. And he goes back and I don't know how long it had been, but his dad had a change of heart. His dad had come to faith in Jesus and it looked really interesting and he had a lot of questions because he didn't really reach out to other people. He had just heard his son singing about Jesus and he would listen to the preachers who would speak after um, and he would do this all behind closed doors and he had a lot of questions and, and his son who had zero reason to forgive him in this, it's a really, really powerful scene. But the dad, he's like, I just have questions. And his son's like, can't forgive him. He can't forgive him. And, and, uh, and then his, his dad comes to him and he says, he says, if God can forgive everybody else, why can't he forgive me? I mean, there's no reason this guy deserves any bit of forgiveness from the son or from God the father. And the son in anger says he can, like it was like, it was, it was really well acted, but it was like, it was hard for the, the son to say he can forgive you. And then in, in the midst of that, he says, I can't though. Now over time, as you, as you hear more through the story, the son does forgive the father. And, and that's the whole thing is like he, the son knew that the father or that God was real because he saw him monumental change in his dad that went from a monster to a man of God. And uh, man, God is faithful and he can forgive any of us for whatever we've done. It was such a powerful thing. So I, I'd encourage you guys to check that movie out. I can only imagine. But as we kind of conclude, um, you know, how, those two tests, those two tests, we came across two tests today and I hope we have open hearts enough to really be honest within, okay? The first one, are, are we people who walk in the light? Does, you, does your heart long to follow Jesus even when it's hard? Do you long for that? And then the other one, do you confess your sin? Is it easy to just surrender? Don't hold on to our pride. That's test number two. And it's by these things that we know that we have fellowship with God or maybe we know that we don't. The good news is, is that whether you do have the fellowship with God or you don't have the fellowship with God, it's just a diagnosis. This book is very diagnosing. Is that Jesus still died for your sins and that if you put your faith and trust in him, any of us can have fellowship with God at any moment. And for some reason, six years ago, God decided to grant whatever faith I had as, as fellowship with him. And it's, what's cool is, is that when you have fellowship with God, it's not something that you lose. Just, like, just as much as a, a son and a father, that, that relationship will never change. It'll always be a son and it'll always be a father. And so if you're here today or if, you, if you're going through this book of 1 John and you, and you have confidence, you're reminded like, man, this is so great. I know, I know that I'm saved. I know, I, can, I, know I, I have fellowship with God. That's amazing. Praise God for it. Don't praise yourself because guess what? It wasn't your good works that did that. 
it's it's the Holy Spirit working through you to show that you have fruit. But if you if you go through that and you say, man, I don't really have those things, I hope that it that it encourages you, man. I want fellowship with God. There's a joy. I mean, for me, I remember I saw joy in in people who really knew Jesus that was far beyond what I had ever experienced. And I was like, how do you guys do that? I don't know how you do it. I want that. I want it. Because I don't have it. One thing goes wrong. The Patriots lose, and I'm dead. Ouch. Sorry. (laughs) I am a Titans fan, so. (laughs) The good news is, is that if you're a Patriots fan, Jesus still has victory. The Patriots, their era might be over. But, uh, but Jesus is still on top. <laughs> we won't go any further with that. Um, I want to pray. We're going to kind of transition. I'm going to pray, and we're going to transition into a time of, uh, of communion um, as we remember the good news, the gospel. Um, but, uh, but I just want to conclude with, with prayer, and then we'll transition there. Father, uh, we just thank you for your goodness. God, as we... Uh, dig into some of these these tests. They're difficult. They're diagnosing. They they show us our heart. It's like a mirror. Your word is a mirror, and it shows us who we are in truth. So, Father, I, I pray that we can rejoice today. Those of us who who look at your word and say, "Man, like I can have confidence. It's exciting. Like I have fellowship." that we can have joy because we're sharing this good news with others. But Father, if we, if we come to this text and we look in the mirror and we say, man, like we don't, I don't have fellowship with God. I don't want any of these things. Father, that that, that, that diagnosis would be something that spurs us to action. That we wouldn't just continue to look in the mirror and say, man, I'm fine, it's okay. Man, that we would be spurred to know you and love you more. Father, that you would grant whatever faith that we have to, to decide to trust in you, um, that, we, that you would grant that uh, as fellowship with you. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that it points, our, it, it pokes at our most tender areas. And Father, I just pray that, that uh, we would be responsive to that. We love you, and we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.